Hey, all right, it's Scotty from Zenium Live, and uh, we made it eventually. We had some technical issues coming out of our Sydney studio, which is uh, down there today. We're joined by PJ Patterson. G'day, PJ. How you going? I'm good, Scotty. How you doing? Yeah, I'm technical good. difficulties for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so look, uh, PJ, uh, I decided really want him on today because of everything going on in, uh, in the markets and in the world and in, in probably your life. So uh, I'll just give you a bit of background of PJ here. So he's the founder of Keystone Financial uh, Services, a financial planning and wealth management firm in Sydney. Uh, he's an award-winning financial planner and finance broker. Did you write this, did you, mate? Yeah, just, just keep reading, mate. You're doing a great job. Yeah, okay, all right, okay, just checking. Uh, winner <laughs> of Best uh, Community Engagement Award from New South Wales, MFAA 2019. Best Diversified Business Award 2019. He's been featured in Australian Broker Magazine, Elite Broker Podcast. Uh, Business for Good podcast, and he's host of Money Matters podcast. And today he's the guest on the Zenium Live show, which is also our Real Property, Real Wealth podcast. So welcome, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is great to be with you. And uh, I don't think I could have read that better myself, even though I wrote it. So well done, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. I do what I can. Well, look, as I alluded to at the the top of the show, I really wanted you on uh, because, uh, well, I mean, we are a property show, but there's a whole mm. bunch of other assets. I mean, essentially, everyone has superannuation in Australia. And that superannuation, unless you have a self-managed super fund and it's solely in property, there's a fairly mm. good percentage chance that you have some sort of interest, or financial interest, that is, in the stocks and shares market. And so that's the reason I wanted you on today. Uh, so, mate, I know that you are fairly prepping your clients coming into, you know, mid 2019, 2020, you're telling me you're just off air. And and I guess I want to touch on why is that? What led you to do that? What have you done for your clients? And how are they sort of going through this time? And then lastly, we'll get into what you think uh, is going to happen moving forward. So, mate, how did you see this coming? Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's a mouthful and a half. There's a number of issues and things to cover in that. So uh, we'll definitely hit all of those. Before I before I address any of that, though, what I do want to say, and, and this is the standard disclaimer that all financial planners probably need to give out, is that uh, a lot of what I may say today or discuss is going to be general advice. So if you have a uh, an advisor that you work with, or if you're thinking about as a result of this going and getting some advice, I would encourage you to do that. So please just kind of take this as general advice because I don't know your personal circumstances. And um, that could be you know, a danger to you. If I say, you know, go and sell everything, which I, I might actually say that you never know, I wouldn't want you to rush out tomorrow and do that. So make sure that you, um, that you speak to somebody before you make any decisions. That being said, um, towards the middle of last year, it was quite obvious that the world economy was slowing. Now you wouldn't have guessed that from uh, the mainstream media and the way uh, a lot of things were being portrayed. So everybody's like, oh, everything's great. Consumers in good shape. Debt levels are okay. Economies are growing, all this sort of thing. But under the surface, there were a number of metrics that, that weren't looking too good. And one of those metrics were corporate earnings. Now, I'm kind of speaking specifically about the U.S. here when I'm talking about corporate earnings because a lot of the data that I track, I um, mean, the, the U.S. is a rich, rich uh um, a place to get data. There's a lot of information that's generated by the government, by investment houses and, and uh, non-government organizations. So there's a lot of data. And the data was suggesting that we were actually slowing. 
So um, as a result, I began to position my clients for a slowdown, which really was going to look like what has sort of occurred up until COVID-19. So I'll cover that in one second. But yeah. we were coming into a slowdown. Uh, it was a, it was going to be a cyclical slowdown. So the business cycle was beginning to slow. We were sort of full. It was a full cycle. We had full employment. Um, wages were, were starting to rise. Earnings were starting to compress, all this sort of thing. So that's typically what you see in a very late cycle uh, in, the, in the stock market. Um, and so it's pretty obvious that we were going to have a slowdown. Now, typically when that happens, what you want to do is pivot out of stocks. So all the big stuff like your secular growers, like the Facebooks and the Googles and all the really sexy stuff like Amazon and all of that, uh, the big tech companies, they were going to start slowing. So we just took money off the table, got out of stocks, positioned ourselves in things that would do well in, a, in an environment where interest rates were going to start to fall. And that was the other thing is we started to see the Reserve Bank and um, some of the other central banks start making noise about cutting interest rates and the bond markets started to price in interest rate cuts. And that's what started to happen. So um, anyway, we sort of pivoted from stocks over to fixed income and treasuries and things that do well in a lower interest rate environment. So that's what we saw coming into uh, sort of the latter half of last year. And then at the beginning of this year, what comes along? <laughs> Coronavirus, right? COVID-19. Yeah. Boom. Now, I would describe that as a black swan. There is no way that really anyone would have seen this type of event coming. It was something that, um, you know, would have been like the GFC where all of a sudden, bang, you just get this. Um, event that really has handicapped badly the global economy, and it's probably going to be getting a little bit worse. So there's still a playbook that you can uh, have on with something, a situation like this. And really, I mean, at this point, it's to stay in cash uh, more than anything. And that's that's the way I pivoted clients even in the last uh, couple of months is to go, oh, my God, like this is this is a really bad situation. And um, I'm happy to elaborate more on that, but um, it's a really bad situation. And until we start to really understand what this means longer term, um, you kind of have to just stay safe and and um, and probably not be an investor in this environment. So, so the uh, I mean that's 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 your analysis of what you did and what you saw last year. So you saw some things coming. You started, you say, pivoting your clients mm. to. Um, out of more riskier products to sort of fixed yes. income style products, et cetera. Um, yep. And so most or all of your clients were in that situation when we come into the start of this year and, and COVID happened, right? That's what I'm hearing? Correct. 100% correct. So um, because we were already positioned out of uh, growth stocks and uh, big exposure to stocks. So we still had, a, I still had a few small positions on. So one of the models that I use is called a quadrant model. It's a full cycle investing model. I'm happy to elaborate on that a bit later if you like, but um, the, the bad quads are quads three and four. Those are sort of the quads where you see a recession where interest rates are falling, GDP is falling, and, uh, and of course growth is, is declining. And it, sorry, inflation is declining as well. And so we knew we were going to be in that quad four. So there's a playbook that you have on for quad four, uh, which is to own things like uh, treasuries, real estate investment trusts, uh, utilities, consumer staples, companies, things of that nature. Uh, the U.S. dollar is actually quite strong in that environment, as is gold. So all of those things we owned. And then COVID came along 
and the volatility in the market went through the roof. And if there's anyone who trades stocks or, or sort of is, you know, into that sort of stuff, you would probably be familiar with one of the main volatility indexes called the VIX. And for anyone interested, that ticker symbol is VIX. Um, there's a volatility index for Australia as well. I believe the ticker symbol is XVI. And uh, volatility spiked up into a regime that is not investable. Mm -hmm. So uh, when volatility goes through the roof in a, in a stock market um, index or, or there's volatility is you can measure volatility on anything, but particularly on a big index like that, uh, like the S&P 500, uh, when volatility spikes above 31, which was the level above which you kind of have to not be invested, um, which it did, it went up to, uh, are you sitting down, Scotty? Yes, you are sitting down. Uh, it went up to, <laughs> it went up to around 75 and intraday one day it hit 83. So it was a complete, I, know, I don't know if this, is a, if this is a family show, but mate, it was a shit show. And uh, it was... So, um, okay, so hang on. So just because obviously we're talking to a bunch of property people and, and look, I'm not saying that our guys don't know this, but I mean, for my benefit, so the volatility, is this out of 100 or is this an infinite number, this index? It's an, it could be an infinite number. It could be an okay, infinite number but, because volatility, I'll give you an be, example. Yep. Yeah, I'll just give you a quick example. So oil, oil has been exceptionally volatile. Now the oil volatility index is currently at about 170. Right. Right. Okay. So yes, it's not on a scale of one of zero to a hundred. It's on a, it's, it's on an infinite scale. Okay. But general market stability and happiness is mm -hmm. below that 30, 31 point. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's for the S and P 500. Again, each, okay. each sort of, each sort of item like, um, Currencies have a much lower volatility than the stock market. Uh, gold has a lower volatility uh, metric than the, than the stock market. Um, treasuries have a different volatility measure. So everything has its own volatility. And there are certain levels at which you would get into or out of all of those as well. But just for, you know, just to be simple and because it's easy to look up, uh, the VIX is that is one of those key metrics and measures that uh, stock market people look at, you know, and when, as I said, when volatility goes above 31, that's, that's the level at which, uh, on the VIX, on the S and P 500, you go, Oh, time out. I'm, I'm out. Uh, and commensurately when it's between say, nine to 15, that's happy days. And we were there like three months ago. If you go back and look at a chart of the VIX three months ago, even the VIX was like 14 and a half. Right. right. And today it's I don't know, I haven't checked it today, but it's around 45. It's come down a little bit, you know, but uh, it's still in that regime of volatility that you cannot invest. Yeah. OK. OK. And um, we've got some comments here as we go. Um, Cheryl's saying hi. So hi, Cheryl. Oh, hey, Cheryl. Joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you have with you us. On. Yeah, she's a she's and, a baseball mate. No, <laughs> oh, but yes, well, we didn't get into you the fact that you're a, you know an award-winning baseball player as well. But uh, we'll, I don't know about award-winning. <laughs> We've got our serial uh, commenter Steve Skeen is on. G'day, Steve. Um, are you advising on direct shares or managed funds or both? In terms, I think he must be talking about for your clients. Um, so I typically uh, that's a fantastic question, Steve. Thanks for that. Um, I typically use ETFs. Which is a which is basically a share. It trades like a share, but it has a managed fund uh, element to it. So managed funds, as you probably know, 
are priced one time a day, and that's usually at the close. That's the net asset value that uh, you see often in the in the print on um, Yahoo or wherever. Whereas an ETF is built like a managed fund where it has uh, maybe 30, 40, 50 stocks in it if it was a stock ETF, but it trades throughout the day just like a share. So as the underlying shares in an ETF fluctuate in value, the value of the ETF also fluctuates in value. So I advise, um, but to, to tell you, I guess broadly, I advise on everything. So I am a global asset manager. I'm a global macro guy. And um, that's the way I view the world. So I'm kind of asset class agnostic, which might be why, you know, Scott wanted to have me on because I, you know, I like property um, at certain times. I think property is a fantastic investment, uh, but there's also other strings that you need to have to your bow. And uh, shares and ETFs are certainly one of those. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Okay, so you saw the volatility index, uh, I guess, climbing, and we've obviously peaked when COVID come on. Um, your clients are in a, 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 a defensive position. I don't know what sort of how you describe what you've got your clients in a position. Great way to describe it. Yep, defensive. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely. It's. Uh, I mean. I was going to be cheeky and say it's the zombie apocalypse uh, position, but, uh, you know, <laughs> not quite, not quite, we're not there yet, but uh, yeah, but it, it's definitely a very defensive posture. And that's, you know, I, one of my mantras in my business is don't lose money. You know, you must protect capital. And it, that's so important in investing, whether it be in property or shares or treasuries or, you know, fine wine or art or anything like that. You want to and need to protect your capital because those are your little soldiers, right? That's your ammunition for being able to do stuff. And so it's super important to uh, to try to not, you know, lose money. And if you do have to take a loss, you'd rather much rather take a small one than a big one. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. That's a good point. Okay, so your clients are in a defensive position already, and then um, COVID comes along. Now, uh, let's. Do you remember what your plan was? Like, how were you going to watch the market this year? I mean, you didn't know COVID was going to happen, but you'd got mm. your clients into a defensive position. It was what indicator? Do you watch that um, VIX indicator style thing again to see when volatility changes? Like, when would you have changed their position if COVID hadn't happened? So if COVID had not come along and volatility had spiked to the level that it had, we would have been owning things like, uh, and, we, and I, to, to be fair, we still have uh, some treasury positions on. So I still own the short end of the curve. For any of you that understand interest rates, I own uh, the short end of the curve in treasuries. But we still have a little bit of that on and I'm exposed to the US dollar. So I've sold Aussie and I've bought US dollar. Uh, so we have a currency position on as well. Um, but they would have been positioned in things that do well in an environment where a recession is is likely uh, interest rates continue to decline, which would have happened anyway that we were already doing that prior to COVID. But they came out and took the took the absolute hatchet to interest rates um, after COVID. Uh, so we were already in the declining inflation, declining interest rates and declining GDP situation. And that means a playbook of things that are interest rate sensitive. So knowing that interest rates would be cut to stimulate the economy, you want to own things that do really well in an interest rate environment. And guess what? One of those things is property. <laughs> so, okay. Do so you like how I circle that back around? <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. So the, My pleasure. Uh, so you're looking at a low interest rate environment. So therefore property was more appealing. Is that, I'm just trying to put it into Scotty terms. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, one one allocation or one 
one part of the portfolio that you would have an allocation to would have been a property uh, ETF. So yep. uh, real estate investment trust, basically, yeah. Yep, okay. So, all right, so that's fine. So you're watching that, but, but then COVID did happen, okay? Yes. So you were already in the defensive, you know, ready to, to, to keep an eye out. So your eyes are being kept out and you're probably being kept awake at night, who knows? But the, uh, what if anything has changed or does that, does that just delay now? You just don't do anything for a bit longer. Like what's your plans for your clients right now? Um, excellent question. Right now, it is definitely wait and watch and see what happens. So a couple of things that I'm watching right now to see, first of all, if volatility comes down in them, uh, one of those is gold. So, and I'm not talking about physical gold, I'm talking about um, an ETF that holds gold because you want to be able to trade in and out of these things, uh, not necessarily own them long term. Mind you, you know, I think everyone should have maybe a little physical gold in their possession. It's just a smart thing to have and it's, it's a great store of value long term. So you could put two to 5% of your net wealth in that. But for more of a trading position, something you would rotate out of as the economic and stock market conditions uh, dictate uh, would be gold. So I'm actually waiting to see if gold's volatility comes back down because I will allocate some capital to that. Mm -hmm. I'm also waiting to see what happens with interest rates. So at the moment, we've seen interest rates uh, sort of ratcheting down and then back up in sort of a trading range. And uh, so I'm just I'm waiting to see if we get Treasury rates this is in the U.S. up to a certain level, then I might buy some buy some treasuries. But honestly, at the moment, it's U.S. dollars, treasuries, a little bit of treasuries, and uh, and then sniffing at maybe uh, maybe some gold. So cash, predominantly cash, probably an easy ninety percent cash. Okay, all right. So that's the snapshot of where you got to with your clients. Now there's a whole bunch of people, and I'd say the the very majority of who watches this show who aren't your client. So mm. what can they do right now? Um, obviously practical stuff. We're not saying, you know, you need to develop a financial plan. Like we, we know that, and that's probably should go without saying, but it should be said. Mm. But the yep. simple fact is um, I'm not trying to get you to stand on anyone's toes. I'm just saying from a practical perspective, what can they do to safeguard their wealth right now? Uh, okay, so the first thing I would certainly do is put any big purchase on hold. You know, if you're going to buy a car, if you were thinking about buying another property or something like that, I would probably just hold that thought for the moment. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that, but that would be number one. I would delay any major purchases only because there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Um, the second thing I would do is because most working Australians have superannuation, they, they would um, need to dig out their super statement. So unfortunately, you know, industry funds and a lot of the platforms stuff only send statements twice a year. And so I would I would dig that out and I would get online or call them and, and get some information on your current account balance because I I dare say right now we're having a bear market bounce. So the markets have been pretty good this week, but it is a bear market bounce. And I'll elaborate on that in a second. But this would be a good time to go to cash or sell. Uh, if you were worried about further decline. And I actually think there is a serious risk and a reasonably high probability that we will see further downside in this market. And the reason I say that is because we have not seen fully the effect in GDP of the G20 of COVID. Yeah. So uh, you touched on industry funds. Now, I heard a whisper this week. I can't remember where it came from, but they were talking about it reminded me of the old GFC days and some industry funds were talking about um, 
capping, limiting, or or not allowing withdrawals or something like that. I I just heard it in a conversation I was, I was on um, online. But what what do you have any news on that? Well, there was an article yesterday about the industry super funds, and I believe it was. I probably shouldn't say their name, you know, because of the thousands of lis- listeners you have in the syndication yeah, and everything. Uh, we global, uh, we global. <laughs> but uh, I think it was Hesta that came out uh, supposedly and made some commentary about the fact that they had amended their PDS, their product disclosure statement, which would allow them to um, put on hold any redemptions. Now, today there was an article, a response from sort of the industry fund body. Uh, that said, well, we kind of already had that capability anyway, so it's. I don't think it was anything new. Um, and they reiterated that they should have the liquidity and be able to provide the liquidity should people need to, uh, as an example, avail themselves of the government's uh, $10,000 this year and $10,000 next year super withdrawal if you are in financial hardship. Uh, so I think it was interesting that there was that accusation and then a very quick response. For me, I believe that people should have control of their money. Um, you do have control of it in an industry fund, but your options are exceptionally limited. Mm-hmm. And I know they make a big deal out of, you know, compare the pair and all this nonsense. But the reality is that um, I think if you looked at their balance sheets and the way they are invested, they do generate a little extra alpha or return. Uh, by investing in slightly more liquid projects, infrastructure projects, and things like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, anyone, it's anybody's guess. If there was a run on the super funds and you had three or 400,000 people all of a sudden putting in these $10,000 this year and $10,000 next year, yeah. um, you know, claims, it's a lot of coin. So I don't know. You know, it's, it's, I'd say wait and see. But back to the point about all that, if you do have an industry fund, um, you really ought to know what's going on inside of it. Hmm. Hmm. And I mean, how easy is that to, to find out? I mean, it's not my area, it's, it's your area, right? It's pretty simple. I mean, as I say, everyone would get, uh, as long as you haven't moved around a lot and, and you've been good about updating your address with your providers, um, usually in January and sometime in July, you receive a statement from your super fund and it will tell you what your balance is, what the performance has been, it'll have a schedule of you know the the transactions and the fees and things that have come out for that half year and it'll obviously have your account details and everything else so as long as you keep those things and or scan them and and file them you'll be able to get at at the very least where are we march you you would at the very least have the two december numbers uh hopefully available to you okay okay now um i want to touch on a, a couple more things uh one is I understand that your view of volatility is quite high at the moment and the index is proving that's to be the case. Are you on the lookout for, is there such a thing as looking out for a good deal in this time in, in the stocks and shares space? Or like, and if so, what should people be looking for? You know, that is that is a great question. And it's, it's one that I'm getting as well from my clients. Um, you know, when do we start to bargain hunt? Now, um, the problem is because that's, that's what I do, right? I love bargain hunting. Yeah, do, so. I know you do. Yeah. You do. Absolutely. You're, you're always looking for the bargain. So here's what I would say about where we are right now in the stock market. So first of all, everyone is in a super big hurry to have this correction be over. But because 
in the past, whenever there's been a hiccup in the markets, even just a 10% decline or something along those lines, the Fed has rushed in and the central banks have flooded the market with money and, and everybody has gone, oh, hooray. And, uh, again, this is the central bankers I'm talking about. But this time is different. We have a, you know, an external event, this COVID-19 mm. situation, which has affected global. I mean, it's a global thing. Like we are literally shut down globally for all intents yeah. and purposes. So my, my advice to people is, look, we have got to wait and see what the data looks like for the first and, and even probably the second quarter GDP numbers out of the U.S. and Europe and all the countries in Europe and the U.K. and Australia to see what the damage economically is. Because the problem with valuation is you, you could look, for example, here's a great example, right? You could look at the bank stocks a week ago because everybody loves the bank stocks because they pay dividends, right? You can look to them a week ago and say, hey, most of them are down 40% this year. And they are, they're down 40 to 45%. And you can say, wow, look at that juicy dividend. Like that's, you know, I want to get me some of that 9% dividend at NAB or wherever. But guess what just happened yesterday? APRA came out and said to the banks, well, you know, guys, um, you might want to consider cutting your dividend because we want to make sure you guys have enough cash flow through all this to stay solvent. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you then go, well, holy geez, right? My dividend at 9% might be halved to 4% because they cut the dividend. Mm. And um, this is exactly what happened during the GFC, by the way. Many companies, including the banks, stopped paying dividends. So the point I'm trying to make is for that, that sort of buy side analyst who goes, oh, look at the valuation. This is so good. The problem with, with the valuation, one of the inputs is earnings, right? Which flows then flows down into obviously your cost structure and then what's going to be left over to pay uh, shareholders a dividend. If you don't know what the earnings are going to be because you just don't know how the economy is going to behave, then you cannot realistically value a company. And that's what I'm saying, I think, is where we are right now with with obviously not all industries, but with many, many industries. We just don't know how they're going to be affected. And there's so many connected things now with this COVID thing, um, with small businesses being for, shut down for all intents and purposes. The consumer has been sequestered. Right. So retails a mess. Malls are vacant. You know, all of this stuff. We just don't know. So until we get, yeah, until we get some more clarity on that, I'm just saying to people, look, you may think something's cheap, but I'm telling you now it can get cheaper. Yep, sure. Okay, that, that's, that's a good point. So we've got some, uh, we've got a, a semi-regular watcher here, Lachlan, saying I have to check this on replay. Well, mate, if you're on here now, you should be watching it live and check it on replay. That's what I'm going to say to that, Lachlan. And we've got <laughs> Stevie's back. ASX is up 180 points today. Um, which is exactly what's been happening, right? Up, down, up, down, all over the shop. I mean, this is this is sure. exactly what you're talking about, the volatility side of things. Uh, indeed, indeed. And, um, you know, the ASX, I, I didn't do the calcs I meant to, but uh, due to those technical difficulties, I didn't get a chance to do it. But the ASX this year is down about 20, uh, 20 probably still about 25%. So, you know, hey, it feels great when the ASX bounces like that and is up is up a big amount. I'd be curious to see what the what the mainstream media narrative is on that. Um, but you know what, it, Steve, it could easily be down. You know, we got a long weekend coming up. We got all this nonsense going on with uh, OPEC and stuff. We could easily see it down, you know, two, 300 points next week. Um, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but you know, this is, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. This is absolutely a bear market rally. Um, 
And just on bear markets, you know, bear markets don't conclude in like one or two months. Like we're first of all, we're going to have a recession in Australia if we're not already in one. I know, I know, we don't like to talk about that. And I've lived in this country twenty-two years, right? All all recession-free. I've loved it. Um, but we're <laughs> but we're going to have one, guys. I mean, we're we're on the cusp if we're not in one already. And uh, and so when we're in those sorts of environments, you know, these things. Um, these things happen. You get stock market rallies, and then it's. I think it's just the calm. It's a consolidation before we fall off a cliff again. Um, at least that, that's how I'm positioned right now. Yeah. Well, you're in the defensive mode, ready to to just stay and defend. So mm. the so going back to the practical stuff for people moving forward. I mean, we talked about um, uh, you know the super uh, checking checking where that's at. Um, as I said, it goes without saying we need a financial plan. I mean, budgets. The people got plenty of time, right? They should be looking at their budget. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, um, we got a four-day weekend coming up, uh, and we're spending a lot of time at home. And uh, for those of you who had kids still in school, um, obviously you've been uh, probably tearing your hair out, um, uh, which which explains a few things, Scotty. Tearing your hair yeah, out, well, uh, having the kids at home. <laughs> but uh, well, look, my wife's a high school math teacher. And the number of emails she's getting from, you know, parents going, oh, my God, you know, like, so sorry, my kid's such a, a pain in the butt because uh, I can't control him at home. So I, I can only imagine what you have to do with the school. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of opportunity right now to do personal development. You know, YouTube University is one of the best places I found to, to do that. Um, one of the thing I've loved, I signed up for that masterclass uh, website. Um a few months ago before all this that, you know, they run the masterclass from all these brilliant people like, um, all the oh, screenwriters yeah, the, on there, but I was, I was too busy, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe that's next year. That's your next year yeah. project. But uh, <laughs> there's so many things you can do right now. Even just, you know, even just read, even just find those books that you bought, uh, you know, over the, over the years, you say, I'll read that one day. Just, you know, just get stuck into that. But I think now's a great time just to focus on, on, um, yeah, inward learning, you know, focusing inward learning, improving yourself for sure. All right. So one question I always get asked, which relates in the property space, and I'm going to get your take on it on the record, is that interest rates, well, the, the RBA is what, sitting at what, quarter percent? I think that's quarter percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, uh, this is going to sound like a silly question, you know, if you asked this three years ago, but how low can they go? Can we can we go below O? Of course we can. Um, will they is is probably the more um, um, you know interesting question. I I think the Reserve Bank in Australia has been fairly clear on this that they will not be cutting rates any further. I mean another twenty five basis point cut is who cares? Like there's there's just nothing left in it. No seriously, I mean there's nothing left, right? Like it it is there. It is there for for, yeah. for all intents and purposes. So another twenty five basis point cut is just they won't they won't bother. Um, but here's the thing about interest rates. They, they're not set by the RBA, really. The, the rates that you and I pay for lending, uh, for our credit card, for day-to-day -day stuff, actually are not set by the central bank. Yes, they have a rate that other banks price some things off of, but the reality is, is that the multi-trillion dollar global bond market is uh, what prices debt. So if you are seeing, um, if you're seeing, um, the bond bond markets trade higher, so bond prices continue to rise. Then um, you know interest rates are coming down, and that's the market that's pricing bonds. So if you see bonds go to a price that makes the yield on that bond negative, 
then we're in a negative interest rate environment. That's that's kind of how that mechanism works. Uh, so what, could we see Australian debt go to that level? I doubt it, uh, probably because we just had a downgrade, I think yesterday by either Moody's or S&P of our banks. And uh, so they downgraded their, their credit. Uh, so they put them on, I don't know what the rating is now, but uh, that, that'll be now harder for our banks to raise capital overseas, which means that we could see higher interest rates uh, for, you know, for property loans and, and the such like. Well, they have to make their money, right? Somehow, that's, that's how they do it. It's on the spread, right? It is on the spread. And, and frankly, you know, we, we actually to have a healthy banking system. You need to have the banks making money. I mean, as much as we all sort of have this love hate relationship with banks, you definitely need banks to be profitable because they form uh, they um, they um, perform a very important function in our society. And that's to keep credit flowing and trade flowing and, and everything else. Um, I mean, we don't want them to make too much money, of course, but uh, but yeah, they need to have they need to have interest margin in order to make money. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Now that's good. So uh, we've covered, you know, what you saw going in, what you're doing now, what you're seeing moving forward uh, with bargain hunting, negative interest rates. Mate, is there anything else that you want to cover before we sign out? Because I think we've covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. Well, I think Australia, and, and I do actually. Um, I think Australia has been really hit hard uh, with all of this stuff. And, and it goes back to the bushfire season, right? We had horrendous bushfires. Uh, we then had some floods, right? Because it then rained, absolutely pissed down with rain. And now we've had COVID-19 uh, really disrupt our economy. So if I could say anything to people listening and anyone that might listen to this, if you're in Australia, it is when all this fog of whatever lifts, spend money in Australia, you know, go on a holiday somewhere nearby, go on a holiday um, in your state or in a local community, support small business people as well. Like if you can go out and do your shopping, I mean, I know the majors, obviously Woolies and Coles, they're going to, they're going to provide a, you know, a pretty big um, service to us during this time, but try to support your local businesses as well, because 90% of our economy is actually driven by small business. So, that's what I would ask anyone watching this to do is when we're actually free to get out and not be fined, you know, a gazillion dollars for uh, walking down the street, uh, it's to go into the local shops, you know, buy the things because this is going to be a huge, people are going to have a big blow off. They're going to want to go out and spend, right? Like yeah, keeping them at yeah. home, sequestered in the malls, closed and everything is, is going to have a lot of pent up demand. So go and spend money uh, locally if you can. And let's try to refire this economy because on the back end of this, you know, we're probably going to enter an epic boom, another epic boom. I don't know what it's going to look like, but out of all of this economic destruction, you always get the phoenix rising, you know, because it's a cycle, right? So um, let's let's help it uh, kick it off. Yeah, I agree. I think that in these downward times, I was on a, a training call earlier today that uh, I was actually doing, presenting, and um, I know it's hard to believe I, I sometimes have a clue about something and I did say that that's kind of what I alluded to I said you know we don't know how where this is going to end up what's happening right now but what I can mm. say is that this is setting the groundwork for the next upward and boom cycle because this is where the destruction has happened and then needs to be built on and recreated after that oh yeah for sure and man I'm telling you first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a plane ticket to the sunny coast and come visit you on the farm <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it's not a bad spot to be locked up, let me tell you. All right, so, mate, I very much appreciate you coming on today uh, and thanks for your, your, you know, your knowledge, your openness and, and everything. If you want to contact PJ, how do they get in contact with you, mate? Well, you can find me on my website. It's www.keystonefinancial.com.au. There's some good resources on there. Um, I do specialize in helping self-managed super funds. Uh, and obviously, one of my specialities is risk management. So if you are concerned about how your investments are being risk managed, then uh, certainly you can find my contact details on my website. Excellent. If you missed that, you can contact us and we'll put you in touch with PJ if you're chasing him down. All right, don't forget to... uh, Look, we're not back on air till uh, maybe late next week because of Easter. Um, But uh, if you want to be updated on everything that we're doing, including these type of chats and a whole bunch of other information, you need to join our Zenium program. You need to go to www.zenium.property forward slash join. And if you missed that, Replay the video because it's gone down the bottom of the screen about a thousand times. <laughs> All right, I'm Scotty from Zenium Live. Today I've been talking to PJ Patterson from Sydney and Keystone Financial Services. Mate, thank you for your time. Thank you and happy Easter. Yep, same to you. See you, mate.